Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, the author J.D. Salinger was a little odd. He spurned publicity, he was reclusive, didn't seem to like people very much. He was even a little mean. He signed very few copies of his classic The Catcher in the Rye because he didn't want friends or family cashing in on his success. But one of the books he did sign is now coming up for auction in the UK and is expected to sell for over £200,000. Adam Douglas is a specialist in rare books at Peter Harrington Books in London. Afternoon, Adam. Hello, Sean. How are you? Uh, that, this particular copy of the book, would, would it be worth something anyway, even if you hadn't uh, signed it? Oh, yes, it would. It's in excellent condition and it's a, it's a really nice first edition in the dust jacket. So, yes, it would be worth some tens of thousands of pounds. But, oh, right. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's considerably more, as you say, it's a presentation copy. Um, I should just correct you on one thing. It's not for auction. We are booksellers. We ah. are straightforwardly offering this for sale. For cash money. Right, okay. So that's for 225 you're selling it for sale. That's that's the asking price, yes. Right. And uh, if somebody wanted to twist our arm, maybe we'd uh, wobble a bit on the price, I don't know. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if two people but, but came in... It's a sale and, rather than an auction. Okay, but if two people came in, Adam, theoretically, and both said, you know, we're prepared to pay for it, would might, you know, somebody adding, offering 226, for instance... Might it get a bit auctiony? It doesn't. It doesn't work that way in our business. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a nice thing. No, that's the price, and that's uh, that's we take two two five. Um, you know, or, or nearest offer, I right. suppose, estate agents. Okay. As far as is known, how many how many books did he sign? Well, it's very difficult to tell because, uh, as you say, he didn't want sort of his direct uh, people he knew uh, to profit from it or people of his own generation. This copy is actually written, given to um, people he lived in uh, their apartment block in New York. So he gave it to effectively the, well, the, to the grandparent. It's signed to Charles Kurtz, but that's the grandson of the woman that he really gave the book to. So he's obviously happy for the grandson to cash in, but not anybody of his own generation. And I suppose uh, very, even more unusually, he signed at Sonny. Uh, explain the yes, significance of that. Yes, he included Sonny in that because that's his, that's his childhood nickname. And so it shows that this is a, this is a very friendly family uh, presentation. It's kind of, you know, the, yeah, it's, uh, these are people who have known him all his life. Yeah, because as, as, as I understand it, like he died, what, 2010 or something. And, and mm. it was kind of half expected there might be a flood of books that were signed by him to come on the market at that point. Did that happen? Um, well, there are a few that have turned up. I have seen, um, I, I saw um, a, a copy of Catcher in the Rye that he inscribed to his mother's nurse, but that was on the British edition because he'd, he'd obviously run out of the original first uh, American editions. And I have seen one other on a later edition. But to have the contemporary inscription done at the time on the book um, as it was published in the first edition, that's the, that's the elusive uh, quality of this copy yeah yeah i would imagine so uh, can you say where you source this from we did source it directly from um the uh the the grandson right so okay. from the recipient of this copy right okay so uh, um, yeah so uh, um obviously they felt it was time uh, to part with it were you mm. would you would you have been competing with other uh, 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 similar auction houses or sales uh, bookshops uh, yeah, for this book. There were other rare booksellers who were, who were making offers. Yes, and we uh, we had to be uh, we had to put our best foot forward. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Adam. But and this I find surprising. People can go in and pick it up and and flick through it. 
Well, what we're doing is we're uh, exhibiting it uh, at a fair called the Firsts, which is London's Rare Book Fair, which is uh, opening on Thursday night at 5 p.m. Uh, here in London. And um, yeah, I mean, most of these books are in glass cases, it's true. But, you know, when people want to look at them and examine them, books are to be handled and we're happy to show people um, they don't have to wear white gloves. We do put a... Um, a kind of uh, perspex wrap around the around the book, so they won't soil the dust jacket. But uh, yes, people are free to handle the books. Okay, maybe not to sit down and read them. But, you, know, <laughs> well, you can yes. examine them. But I mean, I would imagine that yeah. might make you a wee bit nervous. Uh, if it somebody... does sometimes. Yes, yes. it does. <laughs> I, I have I have stood over people with shaking hands, kind of going, "Oh, don't damage that." I, I would imagine so. And and <laughs> is the fair? I mean, is it deliberate or accidental that there's a kind of a, almost a rare book? theme to this uh, to this fair no the fair is, is it is london's leading rare book fair and the theme actually this year is banned books and the catcher in the rye does fall into that category mm. because it was a book that was um, particularly in the 60s and 70s um, it was sort of uh, parents in American schools would ask for it to be removed from high school libraries because they felt it was inappropriate for young readers yeah, but of course it's remained popular because it's a book that people remember exactly reading when they were a sort of a frustrated teenager trying to work out what's going on in life. Catcher in the Rye really spoke to them. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's still true. Yeah. Um, also, uh, other items to say include uh, letters from George Orwell to his publisher. Um, yes. The, the, uh, how, how much might they be worth? <laughs> well, I haven't got the prices of those in front of me, but uh, they, uh, yes, George Orwell, um, f uh, for a long time, his uh, correspondence related to his, um, all his books really remained with his uh, publishers, Victor Gallant, and um, well, you were talking before about newspapers going out, but gradually publishers are, mm. uh, are releasing things that they've held in store for a long time because it's, it's, they don't want to hang on to them. They don't want to keep them in storage, so they sell them into the market. Yeah. And we booksellers get to, get to sell them. Yeah. Will there be, in, you know, in 50 years' time, will there be enough of these kinds of materials to sell? Because probably <laughs> Ian McEwan doesn't write to his publisher as he sends him an email and no one's kept any, any records of that and it's well, not worth anything anyway. A, that will make a huge difference to, to authors' archives, yes. The fact that they don't keep the same kind of typewritten manuscripts anymore, that does make a difference, absolutely. Yeah. But, um, you know... They're called rare books, so we don't want too many of them. Yeah, so. that's true. Uh, and, and we'll be even rarer in, in the future. Uh, Adam, best, right. of, best of luck with the, the sale this weekend. Thanks again for speaking with us. That was Adam Douglas there, specialist in rare books at Peter Harrington Books. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. Uh, after that, uh, what did we use to die from? Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. On News Talk.